we beat ourselves up every day that our growth should be sort of a thousand percent. Now, that being said, our numbers are, you know, uh, something like three to four million a year. So, yeah, it's not it's not that low. Could we be doing better? Absolutely. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Abhinav Agarwal. He is the CEO and co-founder of Rocket. Previously, he was the CEO and co-founder of Renzu, which was acquired by SurveyMonkey, VP at Zynga, a product manager or PM at Amazon, and consultant at McKinsey. Attended HBS and Princeton before jumping into startup world. Abhinav, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So talk to us about Rocket. HR tech is you know, very crammed. How are you standing out? You know, it's interesting. We started um, this company just because we were trying to solve a problem that we had with our own hiring at our own startups. You know, I've recruited at companies as large as McKinsey and Amazon, and then as small as my own startup, which raised a 3 million seed round, but nobody knew about us, right? So the problem we're solving is for us, which was how do you hire great talent quickly? And the way we want to stand out is by, by making a full stack solution. You know, I think there's a lot of people who just want to use a tech approach to this problem. We don't think that's going to work. What we think is going to work is sort of a humans combined with good technology, kind of like what Compass is doing, what Atrium is doing, that's our solution. Yep. And so walk me through how folks are paying. Is it a pure play SaaS model? It's not. It's sort of a combination. I think, um, you know, it's fun, fans the gamut. There are some people who want that pure play SaaS model. I would say they're actually in the minority in this business because they're very, very afraid of all the bad players that are out there. You know, you think about your recruiting, typical recruiting agency, it's only right below Comcast in terms of negative or low NPS scores, right? You know, I think it's not quite as bad as your cable provider, but but not not that far off, right? And so historically, there's been a great sort of desire to align how much you pay with kind of performance. And so that's kind of, you know, in the pure place SaaS model, you just get some sourcing, you get some candidates, that's great, you pay a monthly fee. But most of what our clients are interested in are actually kind of performance-oriented models or now even retained models. The difference is just, you know, if you hire a typical recruiting agency, they're not going to have any engineers on staff. They're not going to have any people who have actually done the role themselves, right? So I've done product management for 10, 15 years. My co-founder has done marketing and growth for an equivalent amount of time. Our CTO has done sort of uh, technology for the last 20 years. And so we're able to train our recruiters given that experience, which most agencies just don't have. So when then you look at, I'm sure you have customers of all different sizes, but the average customer per year is paying you about, what would you say? What's your sweet spot? 
they're paying us about eighty to hundred thousand a year. And what are they getting for that? How many hires? Um, you know, our typical uh, percentage fee is anywhere from twenty to thirty percent of uh, first year base salary. So they're getting anywhere from three to four hires. A little bit lower if they're in the Bay Area or New York City, and the comp is higher. Uh, a little bit more if you know we have some clients all the way in Missouri City, and in Missouri City the average pay is eighty k, right? And so the placement fee can be only sixteen to twenty k, whereas in San Francisco our average placement fee comes anywhere you know around thirty five to forty. So do you? I mean, is any of this truly SaaS, or you've basically just made the traditional recruiting process and business model you know tech enabled essentially? You know, so what I would say is that it can be SaaS for the people who want to have it that way, right? And so the difference is that many people, so we, for the people who want to pay that way, they can get all of our services on a monthly fixed price saying they don't need to pay us any dime extra if they hire or don't hire the person, right? And we have some clients who are doing that today, right? We have some small startups who like that predictability. If you think back to SaaS, what does SaaS really mean? SaaS says, Hey, I'm getting this. It's predictable. I know how much I'm paying. I can start at any time. I can stop at any time, right? And I'm paying a monthly fee. Um, and we have some clients to do that. I think the challenge for many people has been that they don't know if it's going to work out or not. And so they prefer to pay on performance. So we think of it more as innovating on the go-to-market model uh, than anything else, right? It's the same thing if you think about Atrium's evolution. For the longest time, they've had to go out and do the same thing as billing you on a per-engagement basis. Because until they've proven themselves, that's what people want to buy. And then over time, you know, I just saw that email from Atrium, I think it was last week or the week before, introducing their monthly subscription plans, right? Because now that they've proven themselves clients, people are more willing to take the bet. So I think we're making that same transition over time. And we've had clients like Thrive Global, you know, they spent 150K with us last year, and then they came back and their CEO said, hey, let's turn, turn this into a predictable stream. Uh, payments. So now, so so I mean, when did you launch the company? What year? Uh, we started in late 2016. 2016. And how much time did you spend? You know, between the first line of code and your first dollar of revenue. Uh, about four months. Okay, and and how much cash did you guys sink into that MVP? Um, so we were a little bit lucky. Um, you know, we had done a successful startup before that had been acquired by SurveyMonkey. So we ended up raising uh, $2.9 million right out the gate. Uh, you know, we spent a few months iterating on the idea. And once we were locked and ready to go, we raised that, that seed round. So it's not really fair to say we built it on, on very little amount of money. But I think our MVP was out within, uh, you know, two or three months. So if you, and we had two or three engineers. So all under like 50 to 60K. We had okay. Like and how much total have you raised in the company to date? 2.9. It is the 2.9. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what's the right amount for your next raise? You said you wanted to raise now? Um, we're probably going to target towards the end of the year. I think the raise, uh, it's all about what we use the money for, which is to open new offices. So, we've, uh, for the last two and a half years, you know, we've had our office in San Francisco. We just opened up our Las Vegas location. So, we're going to work with companies like Caesars and GM, uh, all of the gaming companies and, and real gaming casino companies as well. Um, and so the next step in the company is just opening up more offices. I think we're going to target somewhere from seven to 10 million in the next round, but, uh, it all depends on the market conditions. Yeah. And how many, how many customers today? We have about a hundred customers. Today. Okay. And are those all, I mean, when you look at something like churn in your space, how do you measure that? Churn, did you say? Yeah. I think the, there is a very easy way to say, uh, think about churn, which is the client has an active role, but they're not using you. Uh, and there's no excuses on that, but that's just what it is. 
sorry, I don't understand. If a client has an active role, but they're not using you, what does, do you, you consider that, them? You that role. Because, you know, companies will go through phases of, hey, they just don't, they're not hiring right now. So if you imagine a small startup, they might do a first firing of four to six hires, then they might just stop because they don't want to hire anyone. And so they're not using you actively. That's not really churn. They just don't need to hire right now. But if they have an open role, they're hiring actively, they're just not using you. That's the real definition of churn in this in this space. And I'm guessing your next question is going to be, what does churn look like for us? You know, typically over the last couple of years, our churn has been anywhere from two to three percent, monthly or annually. Annually, on a logo or revenue basis. Uh, revenue basis. Okay, so does that mean three percent of your customers that did at least one hire through you last year will not return this year? Uh, yes, if we're projecting forward, yes, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, I mean, can I then take a, I think this is too high. Can I take a hundred customers times again, a hundred thousand dollar ACV average you just told me, I mean, that puts you at like 800 grand a month right now in revenue. I don't think you're that big. No, I think what ends up happening is the difference between median and average in this industry is very large. Right. And so what ends up happening is the numbers I'm giving you are some of the median, whereas some of the customers that are small. So if you imagine, so, and this is the challenge of running a business like ours, where we have a company, you know, I just kicked off a role with a self-state startup. They've raised $3 million from foundation. Um, and, you know, we're just off the blocks with them. Versus also having a customer like Carta, which is hiring something like 75 to 100 engineers, right? So it tends to be kind of all over the map. The way we think about this, and this is where churn also, again, it matters back to are they hiring or not? Or is the reason that they're out of business because they're just defunct? So one of our, you know, Customers outpost games uh, was doing really well, but then they really just went out of business. So, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're running. No. I mean, I want to get as much in as possible. So yeah. last last year, how many total hires went through your platform? Uh, we don't release those numbers today publicly just yet. Okay, well, well, a range is fine. Are we talking like tens or like hundreds or thousands? Hundreds. hundreds. Okay, so between a hundred and a thousand is fair. Yeah. Okay, um, and then how do you make sure that you get credit for all those hires? How do you track attribution? So we track attribution because the way we think about it as a recruiter from our companies chatting to every single of those candidates. So we're in the loop. We know if the candidate is being hired by a company. Um, and that's just, I mean, it's a very simple tracking mechanism. Okay. And in 2019, how many hires do you think you'll break? I think we're, so uh, on a quarterly basis, we're growing at about 240%. Yeah. But again, that's easy going from one to three is 300% year over year growth. That, that's an, un, that's a, you know that's an unfair metric to use right now, right? That's the sexy one that everyone wants to hear, but that's, an un- that's a pointless metric to use, right? So in 2019, how many total unique hires do you think you'll pass through your platform? No, no, and that's the metric I'm telling you is 2019 versus quarter, like 2019 quarter that just closed versus the 2018 quarter. That was the growth rate. It was 240%. So- yeah, but I'm telling you that doesn't matter. The small numbers, it doesn't matter, right? It, that, that's- I guess the question you're asking is what does 2020 growth rate look like, right? No, no, it's a sim- this is a simple question. In 2019, there's two months left in the year, and how many total employees will you place into your customers? I, I think, again, I wouldn't give you an exact range, but the growth compared to over last year would be roughly 2.5x. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's potential. I mean, you could argue that that's extremely, extremely low considering you're dealing with very small numbers. It should be way higher for a VC-funded company. Sure, absolutely. I think that the fair, you know, I, we beat ourselves up every day that our growth should be of a thousand percent now that being said our numbers are you know uh something like three to four million a year so yeah it's not it's not that low could we be doing better absolutely uh you mean last year you did about three million in revenue yeah and this year you think you'll break you think you'll break 2.5x that 
that's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are you on track to break 6 million this year? Yeah, we are. I think the tough part on this is the business is seasonal. So, uh, you know, we, it, it, and it isn't SaaS revenue where you can just predict it. So every month you sort of start the treadmill again, which is a hard, hard thing to do in business. Well, I mean, there's only three months left in the year. I mean, are you over 5 million so far this year? We are on track, like I said. So okay, good. And then what, take me back one year since you have the history. If there was 3 million in 2018, what was the year before that? Do you remember? So 2018, uh, so 2017, I think we did about four to 600, something like that. Okay, good. Yeah, so good. That's good growth. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. And now where's most of this growth coming from? Are you, are you hiring more people for the same customer base or adding new customers altogether? Most of the growth is from new customers. Most of the growth. Okay. Okay, great. And is more growth coming from the SaaS model or the 15, 20 to 30% of first year salary model? Uh, more from the full stack model where we charge as a percentage of salary. Yeah. Break down your team for me on this model. So how many people total in the company? We have about 30 people, about two thirds of the team are recruiters. Uh, a third of the team is product and engineering. Okay. So about 10 engineers and product. So, okay. Any rep quota carrying reps? We don't have any salespeople today. No, no sales folks. Okay. Uh, and what about, what about, so you mentioned 3% revenue churn kind of annually. What about expansion on that same cohort? Is it more than 3%? Sorry. I don't know if I fully understood your question. So, um, if you look at all the customers you have signed up exactly a year ago, they're paying you X amount. When you fast forward out what they're paying you a year later, you said 3% of them, you'll lose 3% of their revenue. I'm just curious. Do you upsell them by more than 3% as well? So expansion makes up more than makes up for churn. No, I, I don't think so. I think to some extent that statics that stays flat, which is where most of the growth ends up being from the new customers. If mm-hmm. I understand your question correct. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, good. And then look, you're looking potentially at a Q4, maybe Q1 2020 kind of raise. You've done this before. You've been through the kicker. You raised 2.9 million bucks. What are you comfortable? I mean, what can you sleep at night in terms of what you're, you're comfortable burning per month to grow this thing? So we're basically cash flow positive already. So, um, you know, I think we think about it as uh, what ends up being difficult in this business is actually receivable. So, <laughs> you know, I have something like, uh, you know, uh, net it, contracts are net 30, but payments end up being sort of net 60, net 90. So the biggest thing I'm financing is actually my receivables. Um, the second piece that I'm uh, sort of uh, financing is new office expansions. And typically it takes a recruiter anywhere from three to six months before they start paying off. I think the way I think about net burn is that I'm happy at any point looking at, hey, can I get back to cash flow positive in six to nine months? That's so today when you say you're basically cash flow positive, that means you're burning less than five grand a month net burn? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I'd consider again at your scale, anywhere between kind of five and five, you know, negative 5,000 up to 5,000 plus you're basically break even with a little yeah. fluctuation. Oh yeah. absolutely. And we have out of the 2.9 we've raised, we have about 1.6 in the bank. Oh, that's good. So why go, why go do another round and take all the dilution? So the biggest reason I think is around scale of ambition, right? I think we have a model that we believe is proven out. Could we sort of build this business slowly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We could without raising another dime in external capital. I think the reason we want to raise more capital is we believe we have a proven model. And next year, if all things go well, I'd love to open sort of five to 10 offices in the US because it is a local market, right? You do need to be in market to talk to customers, talk to candidates. But I'd rather open five to 10 offices as opposed to one or two and grow the pie. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Now, what do you think? Obviously, if you break six and maybe get a little bit more juice on that six and a half, seven ish, if you go raise seven to 10 million, I mean, do you think you can only sell maybe 10 to 15% of the company? Or do you think it's going to look more like, you know, a, you know, 80, $90 million pre money valuation? You can get better. You know, I, I think it may not be the right way to think about it. We, we don't think about it uh, as much as a matter of dilution as we think about the right partner. And there, here's a reason why. In a normal SaaS business, the metrics and kind of the, you know, if you look at social capital's eight ball or whatever, they're different methodologies. You get a very good sense of sort of valuation based on uh, current revenue and growth metrics. Our model is different. Um, and so the thing we care most about is having the right partner who understands that model. We've seen too many companies in this space fall flat, you know, whether you look at hired or others where things stall because they don't have the right partner and the right partner pushes them into an operating model that doesn't work for this industry. So I would no, say so the, wrong, the wrong partner pushes them into a wrong business yes, model. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I may have. Uh, may yeah, have but I mean, to your point, th- these are these are HR tech companies that try and be a SaaS company when they're not. So they get really high valuations with liquidation preferences and ratchet clauses that end up destroying them because they're not a SaaS company. So to your point, if you find a partner that's a better fit, you're not going to get a SaaS like valuation. You're going to get more of like an agency like valuation at like three or four X ARR, not like 10 X ARR. Totally. Uh, I think that's fair, number one. Number two, the one delta I would say is that if you think about, you know, I'm a, I'm a financial guy uh, in addition to a product guy. If you think about what makes a company's valuation three to four versus the nine or 10 by SaaS, it really just comes down to profit margin, right? The typical agency makes five to 10% net margin. Um, you know, our hope, uh, again, net margin is not a great metric for us today because we have a big fixed cost. But today we are targeting anywhere from 60 to 70% gross margin. So our our goal, we can ideally be a 30, 40% net margin business. Is that the same as a software business? Absolutely freaking not. Um, but is it much better than the traditional agency model? We hope so. And that's why we're in this business. Yeah, no, I think I think that I agree with all those points. I think that's fair. Um, on the on that note, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, I love um, sort of uh, thinking big and small. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? You know, I'm a really, really huge fan of Dave Goldberg. Um, you know, when he bought our last company, uh, we, we lost him too soon. Um, and I, I spent a lot of time talking to people who worked with him. Uh, he was really, really inspiring in the little time we spent. Yep. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your company? We've loved Mixpanel. I don't know if you have uh, consider it still a tool. I mean, <laughs> it's such a mature company now, but... Coming from sort of an analytics tracking background, I love tracking everything we do. You know, everything in our company is measured and, and sort of analyzed, and that's been super great. And number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Eight, eight to nine. And what's your situation? Married, single, kids? Married and expecting a baby in about a month. Very exciting. All right, one kid yeah. on the way. And how old are you? I'm 36. 36. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Um, I would have done startups way faster. You know, I think I just didn't, uh, I didn't know any better. If I knew better, I would have uh, stopped whatever I was doing and, uh, and gone and joined the startup. Guys, Abhinav with Get Rocket launched back in, call it 2016, 2017, helping folks hire more effectively with their tech platform. $600,000 in revenue in their first year, hoping to break 6 million, on track to break 6 million here in 2019, up from 3 million in 2018. So healthy growth, again, as they look to scale, not only their team, but the recruiters, their locations, 100 customers right now, uh, placing anywhere between 100 and 1,000 jobs or uh, employees uh, per year right now, again, as they look to scale. Cash flow break even, 2.9 million raised, 1.6 in the bank, looking to potentially do a 7 to $10 million round 
in Q4 or Q1, call it 2020. Abhinav, thank you for taking us to the top. Absolutely. Take care.